0: This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. It covers a wide variety of guests and topics. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, please contact Bridget. that's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget at catholicradioindy.org, or call us at 317 870 and now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. And we'd like to take just a moment here to welcome all of our new Southside listeners. Yeah. Uh, in just the past couple of weeks here, we have got on a brand new radio station. In addition to the other stations that we've been broadcasting on, we are now on... Uh, WFCI in Franklin, Indiana, and that covers all the way up to the southern part of Indianapolis here uh, to 465, and maybe a little bit uh, north into 460 inside 465, and most of the way down to Columbus, Indiana, and all around Franklin and uh, all the great communities that are out there. So uh, if you're one of our new listeners, hey, thank you very much. Uh, You might drop us a note, uh, jim at catholicradioindy.org, or Bridget, B-R-I-G-I-D, at catholicradioindy, and let us know. And uh, of course, there's a lot of people in that area that don't know about Catholic Radio, so they're probably not listening because they don't know about it. But if you know somebody who lives in that area, if you have friends or family in that area tell them to tune to 89.5 89.5 and they'll get loud and clear the same programming that you're getting wherever you're listening right now so if you live uh, anywhere within uh oh probably a 20 mile radius of franklin indiana you'll get uh, catholic radio Indy at uh 89.5 fm right (laughs) 89.5 fm
1: does anyone listen to am anymore
0: Uh, To what?
1: Uh, uh. (laughs) Just curious there, Jim.
0: All right. We want to kick things off here with a a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for the precious gifts of life and health. Thank you for my family and my friends and my faith in you. Thank you that we live in the United States of America. Please bless and protect each member of our family and protect us from all harm and serious illness from bullying, addiction, abuse, and violence of all kinds, and through the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, please one day welcome each of us into your holy kingdom. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I'm really excited to talk about our topic today. Um, It is uh, dealing with faith and science, and I believe that there is a a very big, common misconception that the Catholic Church is against science, and, but nothing could be further from the truth. Our guest today is Dr. Gerard Versherin. He is a human geneticist who earned his Ph.D. in the study of the philosophy of science, and he will talk about this topic and his new book, Faith That Makes You Think, um, and he joins us now. Welcome, Dr. Versherin. Thanks for being with us.
2: Thank you, uh, Richard and Jim for having me on your show.
1: Now, you are actually um, trained in the um, geneticist science, human genetics science, um, and then you also earned your PhD in the philosophy of science. Talk a little bit about what that is exactly.
2: Yeah, that is is quite a mouthful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Philosophy of science. (laughs) Yeah, I am I know a lot of people have no idea what that is. They have an idea what science is. They know what philosophy is. But how do those two go together? Philosophy of science is, I would say, the science of science. It it looks what science is worth, what science can claim, and what it cannot claim. And that last part is a surprise for many people. They think science can claim anything, and they can answer all our questions, Well, that is not the case, and philosophy of science will show that. That's why it's basically a science of what scientists do, the science of science. Does that explain a little bit what that heavy word is
1: worth? Yeah, there's no question, and you know what's really interesting... um when I, I had to get the book I mean, a lot of times I'll get the book in advance And I'll read it And this was a, this is a book that I want to keep on my shelf Really as a reference um, in, in so many ways um, You really, at some point, had a you, you grew up as a cradle Catholic But at some point you had some type of a conversion You want to talk about that? Where, where your faith really became real to you? Yeah,
2: I I, I am a cradle Catholic but that doesn't mean that you remain a Catholic. Mm-hmm. So at the moment I started to study science, I, um, I was infiltrated by scientists who do not believe in God. Where that comes from, that's a completely different chapter, but they, uh, they think they are experts in science, so they think they are experts in everything. And they tell you in their classes or during your labs and whatever, they tell you, They they know basically everything, and they know that there is no religion, and if there is, they are in conflict with each other. So I had to struggle hard to reconcile that with each other, and that's what I am trying to do in all of my books. I try to show that if you are a scientist, you can be definitely a religious believer, and if you are a religious believer, you can also be uh, believing in science. Uh, many Catholic scientists are basically very famous in science. Uh, we all know about Galileo. He is probably not a good example, but still, he was a religious person. So there are many more. I always like to mention Father George Lemaitre. He uh, he came up for the first time with the theory of the Big Bang. He didn't call it that way. That came later on. But that was definitely the beginning of modern astronomy. And those people tell me and show me constantly that there is no conflict between science and religion.
1: Well, we're talking with Dr. Uh, Gerard Verscherin, um, a human geneticist and a Ph.D. in the philosophy of science. And and what I thought was really interesting, I, I noticed something in the book that... It seemed that the European scientists back in the, you know, I don't know, late late or early 1800s or even before that were discovering things that people in, uh, say, China and other parts of the world were not discovering. And and a lot of that was tribu- attributed to um, their Christian faith that allowed them to think beyond kind of the realms or limiting um Parameters of science. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Oh, I'm happy to. Uh, great question.
1: I thought that was uh, really fascinating. That 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 some of the European scientists were connected. They when they would travel abroad, they'd be like, "How can you be so far behind in this science?" And go yeah. on, go on, t- answer that question.
2: Uh, yes, there. Um, you can even claim that uh, uh, Judeo-Christian tradition allowed or made possible that there was science and uh, that even started already in the middle ages that some people call the dark ages but you can prove that a lot of factors in that faith helped science to develop and it's interesting you know, There was a big discussion all the time was that enough for science to come along, uh, I I would say so. Was it necessary for science? That I cannot prove. But it's very obvious that when Jesuits came to China, for instance, and and Chinese were great in technical issues, but they were not great in science. There was no science. So they were so surprised how little those so-called astronomers knew about uh, science. Um, It was basically only in Europe that astrology became astronomy, and that is uh, a a very famous idea of uh, philosophers of science. So I I think that we have to thank the Judeo-Christian tradition that we have science. And that is hard to believe. When, when someone said that, um, you don't care about who said that, but in, in 1920, I think it was, uh, he had a, a very big talk at Harvard University, and when he said that science had basically roots in Catholic faith, everyone was surprised. They couldn't believe what he said, but he was right. And and many followed him after that. I won't go into who those people were. You can all find that in the book. As you said already, uh, Bridget, you have uh, the book on your shelves. I I hope you will take it off the shelf sometimes (laughs) and find out what the book said. So I I, I will not go into that issue. People will fall asleep.
0: Now, uh, Dr. (laughs) Brashearn, you mentioned the uh, Big Bang Theory, and I know there are people that say, well, Uh, God didn't have anything to do with creation It was all the big bang theory And I was thinking about that the other day And I thought well yeah but Even if there was a big bang What banged? Did two things come together Did two energies come together And whatever came together to make the big bang Where did it come from Whatever caused the bang Came from somewhere Somebody created it Does that make sense
2: that, oh, that is a vital question. Very important and very well put. Where did the Big Bang come from? Where did the particles come from? Where did the energy come from? They must come from somewhere. So the the person who came up with that theory was, as I said already, Monsignor Father uh, George Lemaître. He was a Belgian priest and he, uh, uh, he was a great astronomer. But he had to even fight with the famous Albert Einstein so he uh, Albert Einstein thought that the universe was eternal it had no beginning and it wouldn't have no end so Father Sorge Madre said there is definitely a beginning and the beginning is what we call now the Big Bang that doesn't answer the question where did the big big bang come from (laughs) it had to come from somewhere else yeah, you can say it came from his mind, but that's, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he didn't start the Big Bang. So, and finally, Albert Einstein had to say to Father Lametta, sorry, I was wrong. There is a beginning of the universe. And that is definitely a, a Catholic idea. From, uh, one of the first councils said already, God created everything out of nothing. So where did it come from? You wouldn't believe it from nothing. Of course it came from something. It came from God. But God didn't need anything to create something. We always need something to create something else. Scientists, especially chemists, they need certain ingredients to create another molecule. We all do that. But science is making something from something else that God is able to make something from nothing.
1: We are going to take a break here, um, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Gerard Versherin about his new book, Faith That Makes You Think. So stay tuned for more Faith in Action.
0: For a long time, we've been telling you that if you have an Echo Dot or other smart speaker device, you can hear Catholic Radio Indy simply by saying, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Just the other day, I did that, and Alexa was feeling a bit argumentative. I'll let you hear my conversation with her. Uh, Alexa, where are you?
1: Here I am. What do you want?
0: Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy.
1: Now, just why would you want me to do that?
0: Well, because we've got great programming 24 hours a day.
1: Well, a lot of other radio stations have good programs, too.
0: Yeah, but our programming talks about God and eternal salvation.
1: I am very smart. I know almost everything about everything but I do not know about God and salvation.
0: Well, that's why people need Catholic Radio Indy. So, Alexa, do me a favor. Whenever anyone says, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy, just send them our way, would you?
1: Yes, I will be happy to do that. In the meantime, I am going to do some research about that thing you called salvation. I wonder where I can find out more about that. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Eyre Jim Ganley and I are in the studio. And at the top of the show, we wanted to welcome all of our new listeners in uh, the Franklin area, Johnson County. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. Down this, into
0: Bartholomew County. Yeah.
1: This is this is Faith in Action. And we what we do on this show is we try to um, highlight people that put their faith in action. And we're talking with um, a very interesting scientist, Dr. Gerard Versherin. And I want to talk a little bit about um, the book, Faith That Makes You Think. Um Faith is not about not thinking; it's about thinking, <laughs> using our our faith with reason. And um, for those who are listening, um, John Paul II, the second Saint John Paul II, uh, the Pope, um, who was really famous, he wrote "Faith and Science: The a Relationship." It was called uh, "Fides in Ratio," um, and it's about faith and reason exactly. Um, how are we supposed to use our reason, our thoughts, our thinking, our brain, what is available to know what is around us?
2: We, we have to use our brain. That's why God gave us a brain. So we need to use it. And, and people who say, oh, no, don't, don't please think, that's, uh, that is not good to realize that. So I, I always say, If you say, don't think, just believe, then you can also say, don't believe, just think. Those two have to go together. You have to believe and think. So what Pope John Paul did, he said, thinking is not only done in science, it's also done in religion. A religion that does not think is not a good religion, it's a fake religion. Then you can believe whatever you want, you can't. And even in faith, especially in Catholic faith, we always need reason. So uh, Thomas Aquinas, who is a, a doctor of the Church in the Catholic Church, he, uh, he says, uh, faith and reason go together and they cannot be in conflict with each other, but they both come from God. So reason can prepare the mind for faith, it can explain the truths of faith, and it can defend the truths of faith. So don't throw reason away. But unfortunately, for many people, reason is only the kind of reason that science comes up with, that proves with experiments. Of course, experiments are important. But religion is not based on experiments. We can't put God in a laboratory and do some tests on him. That is not possible. So we, in religion, we do more the experiments. We still have to reason. And if you cannot show that a certain belief is in reasonable, then you cannot defend what you are believing. And that is an important point in the Catholic Church. You always have to prove in a way that it's reasonable to believe what you believe. And that's what they have been doing in theology and all that kind of things. And in that sense, it is almost like a science, but it's not a science of doing experiments and observations.
1: Well, the other thing that I think it's important for our audience to, to understand, and, and, and we'll get into the book here in just a bit, um, that faith and reason and, or faith and science are really um, not at odds with each other, I think is what you're saying, that really they are um, compatible or compl- complementary. Complementary to each other, there isn't. It's. It's. They work together.
2: Yes. Yes. May, may, may I give you one or two examples sure. to make that It's so a very abstract issue. Uh, you know, when we uh, when we talk about the Big Bang, for instance, the Big Bang is a scientific concept. So it's, uh, it's talking about how molecules and events in the in the physical world uh, interact with each other. But religion is talking about how all these things interact with God. So that is a different approach. And that's why they can't conflict with each other. And let me give you another example. Uh, scientists love to say something is, is completely random. Uh, it, it, it's by... Accidents by change. Christians will say it is not completely random, and there's a God behind it. So randomness is about how events are related to each other. Is that in conflict with saying that God is behind everything? Not at all. So that is about how things are related to God, not how they are related to each other. So they are not in conflict with each other. And people who say that they are in conflict with each other, they are usually infected by the disease of, let's call it a disease, enlightenment. Enlightenment is, is three centuries old. It's uh, Most people place it just before the French Revolution. It's... Uh, It was very critical of everything, and it basically said all that there is and all that is valid to know is science. most of those Enlightenment thinkers were scientists themselves. And uh, uh, we, uh, we have to realize that they just said there is nothing else than science. If you have any other questions, science will answer them in time. How do we know? You cannot prove that. That is not a scientific issue. So uh, you cannot claim that science has all the answers for everything, but it's not scientific.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that's really fascinating. I want to get into the book. We've just got about 10 minutes left. Um, Who's the book for, and what are the topics exactly that you cover? I know you talk a little bit about the new atheism. I know you talk about God. Um, What do you want people to take away from the book, and who is the book really designed for? It is...
2: I would say the main opponents are the atheists. So I spent quite some time, a whole chapter on atheism, all the kinds of atheisms there are. And many of those are scientists. Um, uh, you, uh, no, you, you you didn't mention it, but I should mention Dawkins, the very famous Dawkins, the very famous Hawking. Uh, most people know him because he was... Uh, he was quite handicapped. He was sitting in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. could not really talk himself, so maybe that gives a picture to people who mm-hmm. that is. Yeah.
1: They were,
2: they were all basically atheists. And they were so popular. They kept writing books, books, books. It's the same what the Enlightenment people did. They wrote so many books. That's why it became so popular. And it's very hard to, to fight them. So I am trying to write books that a fight, atheism. So I spent a whole chapter on atheism, and I end at the end of the book with saying what atheism cannot answer, and those are all the questions that we were just talking about in this interview.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I, uh, I have a question that um, there, uh, there, I assume, have always been atheists, and as I grew up, I. Suppose there were atheists. I didn't know any, but I'm sure there were some. But in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so, uh, the atheists have become more prominent and more militant even, I mean, to uh, try and actively kind of recruit people to their side. It used to be, you know, you believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe and, you know, we'll all get along. But now uh, there, there seems to be a real militant um, effort on the part of the atheist to almost recruit people to their side. Any thoughts on what might have changed in the, the last 10-15 years?
2: Yeah, Jim, you are basically saying that those uh, atheists who wrote all those books were very successful. <laughs> Unfortunately, they were. <laughs> they were very successful. That's why they keep writing and writing and writing and, and now, nowadays, when you listen to radio or TV, that's what they gave attention to. I, I always say media and academia are very biased. Mm-hmm. And they just buy that one story that there is a problem with religion. Because these atheists were very strong. And they kept basically say science is all there is. Well, I have news for them. As I explained at the beginning, the science of science shows that we have a lot of things that science cannot explain. Uh, I, the, the most simple things is science has to assume certain things. It has to assume that there is order in this world. It's not chaos in this world. I know some things look chaotic, but there is order
1: in this mm-hmm. world. And
2: science tries to explain that order and find that order. But where does the idea of order comes from? not from science, they have to assume that there is order. If tomorrow the sun does not rise, they have to explain why it doesn't rise, because there is order in this world. Clouds or whatever you are coming up with, or there was an explosion somewhere. So that is an assumption. The, The famous Albert Einstein always said, how come that this world is comprehensible how can we understand this world where does that understanding come from he never gave an answer because he was a scientist but i would say that possibility that you can understand the world comes from god god created us after his image and his image is reason understanding so we can understand things too and if you don't accept that you can't do science And if a scientist ever says, we have found a phenomenon now that does not have a cause, then I would say, go back to your laboratory. There there must be a cause, but you have to find out what that cause is. Science assumes that there is causality. I cannot prove that. You cannot prove causality. Even if if you find all the time that there is a cause and there is a cause at the moment, there isn't a cause, that's not true. You didn't search wrong enough. Keep searching. Science has assumptions. And if you don't accept those assumptions, you can't do science. But don't ask scientists, what are your assumptions? They probably laugh at you and say, I don't know. I'm just doing my work.
1: Well, uh, what do you hope people will take away from the book? It's called um, (laughs) Faith That Makes You Think. What do you want people to take away from that?
2: I am showing in the book that if you are faithful, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a believer, you have to honor faith. You have to honor reason. You have to honor them both. <coughs>
1: Excuse me. And what if, you're just, always... what if you're just a scientist and you uh, don't believe in God? You want to throw a challenge out to those who are not, um, maybe atheists that, to give, give the book a crack? Give it a try?
2: Yeah, I I wrote another book, but I I can't go into that, unfortunately, that shows that you can prove that God exists, which is very hard to accept for many people. Um, There there are proofs of God's existence, and I explain in that book (laughs) that there is no way you can deny, finally, that there is a a God. If you deny that, your world falls apart. That's all I'm going to say about it.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a great tease. Well, Doctor, uh, we are out of time. The book is Faith That Makes You Think, and you can get that on Amazon. Just Google uh, Faith That Makes You Think, go to Amazon, and um, Dr. Verscheren, thank you so much for being our guest today.
2: Thank you so much, Bridget and Jim, for your great interview.
0: You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. This program and all Faith in Action programs can be heard or downloaded as podcasts from catholicradioindy.org. If you have a comment or suggestion for guests or topics for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D. Brigid at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. This program has been pre-recorded.